Man's Search for Meaning. A book unlike any other was written in 1946 by Viktor Frankl, and it chronicles his experience as a prisoner in Nazi concentration camps during World War II. And as a psychiatrist, he explains his methods of psychotherapy to find something positive in a situation of inconceivable adversity. And what Frankel left to the world that says in my mind all day, if you know your why, you can survive almost any how. Renee Brown, college professor and famous TED talker, is an expert on the power of vulnerability as a strength rather than a weakness. And what she leaves in my mind to her students and her audience, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you cannot choose both. What's your choice? Lastly, Mark Hoverson, while not the household name of the other two, was the best mentor that today's guest ever had. No one ever prompted our guest today to see things outside his normal thinking and to completely change his worldview. Although Mark passed away at the young age of 39, having, having unfortunate cancer, Today's episode is dedicated to Mark's legacy. What do these three individuals, disparate people, have in common with today's guest? It led our guest today, Ray Higdon, to embark on a journey of transformation where every day he set out to receive at least 20 no's per day until he figured out how to use those no's to get to yes. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on C-Suite Radio. I'm Chuck Garcia, and our show today is sponsored by Climber, C-L-M-B-R. Climber is the most efficient full-body cardio and strength fitness machine available with instructor-led on-demand climbing and fitness classes. If you haven't heard of Climber, key investors include Novak Djokovic, Jay-Z, and Ryan Seacrest. To learn more about Climber, C-L-M-B-R, and purchase one for your home at a 20% discount, go to get.climber.com and input the code CHUCK20. That's get.clmbr.com. Buy a machine, input CHUCK20 as the code. Ray, welcome to A Climb to the Top. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great having you here. And part of why I did the introduction is if our guests who are watching us on YouTube, not necessarily listening to the radio, but if you're listening to the show, over Ray's right shoulder is a book, a wonderful book called Time, Money, and Freedom. While Ray is an individual who has come from the depths or plunged and nearly drowned in the Florida real estate market, has figured out how to be adaptable and how to be adjustable and has something that he wants to share from the book. But Ray, my first question, why did you write the book and who did you write it for? Yeah, great question. You know, my wife and I wrote the, uh, you know, Time, Money, Freedom book. And the, you know, the sub headline is 10 Simple Rules to Redefine What's Possible and Radically Reshape Your Life. We wrote it to try to help. And we, we actually wrote this before the pandemic, before COVID, before all of this, it happened to come out, you know, in November, right, right in the 
you know, middle of things we think, right? Who knows? Um, but, um, you know, we wrote it to help people out there who are trying to improve their relationships and their finances, but may not be sure how. And so this is not for the, you know, someone, you don't have to be a business savvy entrepreneur type to enjoy this book. Although the, you know, the title may make it seem that way. It's really written for anybody that's wanting to improve their, their finances and their relationships. And the reason we wrote it is, you know, our mission is to impact as many people as possible. And we actually do that selfishly. <laughs> we do that selfishly because that's what drives us. That's what makes us feel good. And, you know, it's some people, they, you know, when they talk about impacting others, it's like a, a selfless act and selfless is, you know, jumping on a grenade to save your squad, right? Running into the, the school shooting, uh, you know, that, that's selfless, you know, putting your life on the line, you know, and, and you know, with uncertainty, um, that's not what we're doing. We're doing it because it makes us feel good. And it gives me significance when so much of my life, I didn't feel significant. And so we do it because we love to do it. And I appreciate that because what I loved about the book, right from the opening, you showed the Brene Brown, and I suspect that is why she may have impacted. You showed a lot of vulnerability and you talked about your childhood. Can you just relate what some of the implications were on your childhood and how that drives you to do what you do? Yeah. So I, I share in the book um, that, you know, I grew up uh, up until the age of 12, I was in a, a very abusive home and I can, you know, from, you know, I remember going to kindergarten with a bloody nose and having to say I ran into a door um, and there, there was much more extreme, you know, things that went on. But I remember, you know, there's one story um, that, I, that, that, I, that I relate to now and look back on is I remember we were uh, in a parking lot at a restaurant. I think it was like Denny's or something, nothing crazy. And my, my dad asked, Hey, you know, Hey, are you hungry? And he asked that to my stepmom, which my stepmom was the, you know, person who was very abusive to me. And she said, I could eat. And then he asked my stepsister, her daughter, Hey, are you hungry? She said, I could eat. And then he asked me and I'm, you know, I'm just trying to fit in. And I say, I could eat. And so at that point, my stepmom said, um, let's just let's just go home. We can just find something at home. And so I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm like, okay, you know, bummer. Um, Cause I was, you know, that would have been nice, but you know, oh, well. Well, when I get home, um, I got the crap kicked out of me because I was not allowed to carry any kind of opinion. And I was not allowed to, to have a voice, have anything that counts. So I was then instructed that any time in the future that I was asked if I was hungry, I was to say no. And, and so um, I do believe that is one of the reasons that the rebel in me um, became a speaker. You know, I've, I've spoken in front of audiences of my largest audience was 23,000 people. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that that, that created a, a rebellion in me of the desire to have a voice, to have a, an opinion, to be able to share and, and, and feel good about sharing that. And so that's, that's one story for you. No, and I appreciate that because as I read the book and I thought about you dedicating the book to your friend and mentor, Mark Holverson, as I read about Mark, there was a quote that really stuck to me, and I wonder the applicability to you. And what Mark talked about, and it may have been in his speech, and I'm going to try to get the quote right. 
it's never circumstances that determine your success. It's what you do with the circumstances that determine your success. And as you narrated the book with the ups and downs, drowning in the Florida real estate market, there are a couple of catalysts that I do want to get to. And one of them involves your dad. How did you learn to not be defeated, but rather defined by not having a voice and being beat up for it and finding the courage to let that out? It's not always so simple. Do you mean to share, to, to sh like share the experience? So yeah. I'll tell you, I didn't plan that. Um, so I was, um, you know, part of my journey was, and you, you, you know, alluded to this, I was in real estate and, you know, here in the state of Florida, I live in Naples, Florida, and I was doing well for a few years. And then I, when the market changed, I wasn't smart enough to adapt. I got wiped out. And so I started completely over from scratch um, and I built a, a network marketing business and I was up, I had been asked to go up to uh, Myrtle Beach to do a training and do a presentation. And so I, I went up there and did a, did a presentation. And then when I was going to do the training, just something, I just had this like overwhelming thought, uh, push, energy, whatever you want to call it, to share the story about how I repaired the relationship with my dad. And, and I never shared it ever to anybody. I mean, my, you know, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, knew it, but no one else ever. And so in that meeting, I share that, you know, I hadn't talked to my dad in, in 13 years. And, and I had every reason why, you know, you've already heard some on this on this interview is, you know, it was clear that a lot of my abuse was allowed, was, you know, you know, it wasn't hidden, um, you know, it was allowed. And, and so I shared that, you know, the year prior, I had repaired the relationship with my dad, and after 13 years, and because of that, that release of angst or resentment or shame or guilt or combination of all those things, something cleared in my mind that led me to this opportunity that, that, changed my life. And so that was the purpose of me sharing. As soon as I finish, the guy who asked me to speak at that event, Kenneth, he's walking down the, the hotel, you know, aisle, tears pouring down his face. I'm like, wow, you know, that really, you know, hit you hard. And you may hear my, my wife. Uh, I love it. Bring, bring him on. Man. That's a, right. That's the sound of life. We yeah. love it. And so he comes walking down the hallway, tears running down his face. And he says, I can't believe you just shared that story. I haven't talked to my dad in 17 years. And tomorrow I fly out for his funeral. Oh, that hit you like a ton of bricks. I mean, it hit me really hard. And in my first, I don't know that this would be my reaction now, but back then I, I had a lot of questions around my self-worth and I had a lot of, of self-hatred to be honest. And and so my first reaction was, man, I am such a jerk. I should have shared it a week ago. I should have shared it earlier. Maybe they would have reached out. And my second reaction, which I think is a better one, is I need to be more vulnerable. Because up until that point in every career I'd ever had, I always positioned myself as Superman. I was always perfect and everything's great. And I'm the go-getter. Yes, sir. And that changed me. And that, that 
him, his emotions gave me something of worth or significance or something that I'd never experienced before. And, and so that actually kicked, I didn't plan it, that kicked off me being willing, well, maybe, maybe if I share that I was um, abused, maybe if I share I was hooked on drugs, maybe if I share I've been dead broke twice, maybe if I shared I was in foreclosure, and that kind of kicked off, um, you know, me just being, what else can I share? Because the more that I shared and was vulnerable about, the more hope and inspiration seemed to permeate the people that were taking the time to listen. Indeed, so, but, but there's another catalyst here because you talk about in the book, as I was reading about it, and you were questioning your own self-doubt. You even use that word believe. And then you talked about, and I've seen it in some of your talks where you started dating Jessica. And what you credited is this love of your life believed more in you at a time where you didn't believe in yourself. To our listeners who, who, who love somebody that they're with, what was it that Jessica did that helped you to see beyond your own self-doubt and to believe in yourself again? I mean, part of it was just being with me. I mean, because, you know, I, when, I, after I lost it all, um, you know, I went into foreclosure, I went into depression. I, you know, it was just, uh, you know, I wasn't that enjoyable to be around. I was drinking heavily. Um, I really like, I just, I don't know what I offered. And, you know, and, and so here she was, you know, 11 years younger, finishing up college, good, you know, decent paying, you know, job, not the greatest, but, you know, decent paying job, had everything going for her. And so, you know, to be with me when I was at my very, very low and, and you know, be by my side when I, you know, wasn't the greatest person to be around is, is, is really spoke volumes, right? Um, and, you know, so I'm just so, I'm so grateful for that because, I think, you know, some, sometimes someone who has created success, depending on when they met their other person, it's like, okay, was it, was it my success or was it actually me? Well, there is no zero question with that. I mean, she was paying my utility bills. So, you know, there's, there's just no question there. And, uh, and so just very, very grateful for her. Well, she believed in you, but here you were, and I, I think many of us can say life oftentimes happens in the transitions. This is where the things where we begin to see things differently. And Jessica came into your life and she stayed with you and she believed in you. What did you learn about yourself in the love that she gave to you? What were you thinking about? What do I do with all of this? Because you were probably unaccustomed to receiving that kind of love and belief. What was going through your head and your heart about desire to give back either to Jessica or to others? Well, um, this is a, a, a deep answer, um, at least I think. Um, I, I, I in, in chapter number two, I talk about plucking the weeds. Yeah. And there, there was a, a period of my life, actually, actually up until very recently, I had major self-worth issues when I talked to anyone of, of status. Like if I, if I was talking to someone who was a millionaire, if I was talking to someone who was super successful, I just showed up very small. I just didn't have confidence and, um, you know, it was a little strange. And, and so 
my one of my friends, Elliot, Elliot Rowe, he is a, a hypnotist and he's a you know coach to a lot of people. And he I asked him, I'm like, how can how can I improve this? And so he had me go back to my younger self as a you know eight-year-old boy and and tell that eight-year-old version of myself that I was going to grow up to have a great life, a great family, a great business, a great wife, make millions of dollars, impact people all over the world. And he, he had me go through this exercise. And, and so I do that. And he said, okay, you know, what, what was the response? And I said, he, di he didn't believe me. Now, there is no eight-year-old version of me, right? That's me. That's my subconscious that I'm, that I'm speaking to. And so that's when I realized that every time I ever described my wife up until two years ago, maybe, I used to say, yeah, it's unbelievable that, you know, she married me. I like, guess it's so hard to believe. I actually didn't believe it. So I actually didn't believe reality. And so it actually took a few sessions for me to be to go to that eight-year-old version, i.e. the subconscious in my mind, and say all these things, and it actually penetrate and say, hey, this is real. And so, you know, we, we create these, you know, dynamics out of protection, right? Well, if I don't think it's real and I lose it, eh, it was never real. Right. So that's even more testament to her staying by my side because I've, I've even had my own little uh, safety, you know, shield up even with her up, up until, you know, recently. And, and, and we share some of those things, you know, in the book. But um, it really is a testament, you know, to her of, of seeing, seeing me for who I could be versus, you know, how protected I, I, I was and, and how I didn't even believe reality. So, No, no question. I think part of the defense mechanism, you have somebody come into your life who believes in you more than you believe in yourself. You can't help it. Your default is the protection, particularly the Superman. I've got the shield. There's a kryptonite here. I'm going to fight it. But it seems like, and what I picked up on the book as I read through it, it's like, you're now beginning to let this down a bit. And the more that you let it down, the more you are bringing and accepting love into your life. And I love that about the book. And for all of our listeners, this is a wonderful book. But what I, the, 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 the subtitle of the book, and there were a couple, couple words that grabbed my attention. Then I want to shift the focus. And, and it was redefine, a very powerful word, redefine possible, radically reshape. These are key words that anyone who tunes into a climb to the top, I know you're looking for that, but there was a very important part of this book, and this is where I'd like to stay with this. I've read Man's Search for Meaning many times. The, the book is, it's, it's maybe as good as any book I've ever read, and certainly Brown, but I have to admit, I didn't know Mark Holgerson. Yeah. And what you inspired me to do, Ray, is I, I, I put the book down, I started Googling and I said, oh my God, wow. Tell us about, and this is what I want our listeners to key in because he had an amazing impact on you. So first Jessica sees and she believes in you. Who was Mark and what did he do with you that caused just boom, massive transformation? Tell us about him. Yeah, you know, um, you know, Mark impacted me on in so many different levels. Um, you know, he would, 
I remember in, in, in some, it's, it's very interesting because some very tact, you know, tactics, strategies, because he was a brilliant online marketer. He was a brilliant copywriter, um, a brilliant entrepreneur, but he was also a brilliant husband. He was a brilliant father. And, and he also just had this way about him in a very busy world to make you feel super special. Like any, any time I would see him always would make me feel, you know, just, just, you know, super special and just, and just amazing. And so he helped me, um, you know, I, I, I met him in 2010 at an event and, you know, he was selling a product. I bought the product about, you know, 15 minutes in, I'm like, I want to hire this guy. And so, you know, I start, you know, I hire him and <laughs> I'm telling him some of my business processes and he's like, oh, man, if I had to do it that way, I'd wonder what the hell is wrong with my marketing. <laughs> that probably got your attention. <laughs> he's right. Uh, thanks. So, I needed that. Yeah, please, sir. Might have some more. <laughs> and so, you know, he gave me that, um, you know, perspective. He, um, you know, he talked about, you know, there, I, I didn't always think about money the, the way that I do now. And one of his lines that, that had just been so helpful for me to share is your poverty is serving no one. You know, in, in today's day and age, it's almost like, you know, anti, you know, capitalism and the rich and, and Question. Oh, the, the poor person that, and it's like, you know, that that's one of the core concepts of the book actually is with more money, you can do more good. You can do more change. Right. And, and in so particular, to, I, want, I want to get in, you know, the charities, March of yeah. There, there is a great deal to our listeners toward the back of the book about the idealism that Ray and Jessica bring is not false hope. The capital that they bring can take children to Disney when they can't afford to do it themselves. So I just want to interject that because I think the idealism is getting in the way of recognition that success comes with money. And if you earn it honestly, you can take children to Disney and let them live their dreams. So th thank you for the opportunity to interject that. But please go with Mark. Keep going on that. Yeah. And, and just seeing, you know, how disciplined he was with his kids you know I mean I think at age five they're doing the dishes they're clearing the table um he gave he gave us you know both my wife and I you know the idea that um you know you know like for example with Jess he's you know he said his words were I didn't want I don't want my wife Cinderellaing around all day and then she's tired too tired to hang out with me and the kids it's like you hire that out get someone to do that. And, and so like, you know, we hadn't thought that way, you know, prior to, to Mark. And, um, and then seeing his just unstoppable courage of when he went through chemo and he went from, I mean, I don't know what he, he weighed in the beginning or the end, but, you know, he went from very healthy, vibrant, you know, in physically fit person to uh, literally a skeleton um, you know, I mean, just, I mean, really skin and, and bones, you know, because of his pancreatic cancer and, but he was doing a video every day. And I remember him calling me when he's like in the middle of this stuff and he's like, Higdon, you know, I just want to let you know that I read your chapter in the miracle morning and it inspired me to do more content. I'm like, man, this is so, I mean, it's just amazing. You know what I mean? And then at his, you know, I went and I, I was fortunate to speak at his, you know, funeral um, and then, um, you know, after at the wake, I talked to one of his cousins that had gotten married like two weeks prior. 
and they're, you know, they're doing their thing and they turn around and here comes Mark in his wheelchair and they didn't even know he was coming and he wheels himself up to the podium, stands up and delivers one of the most amazing speeches of all time. That's Mark. And, you know, and it's just, you know, I like to think, you know, if I was going through that, would I show up as brave and would I show up as courageous? And, you know, I, I don't think so, to be honest. And, and it's just amazing. You know, he just inspired me throughout his entire life and through his passing. And, and, you know, when I read it, I was so inspired. And as I watched his videos and I saw him withering, unfortunately, where the cancer was taking his life, I wanted to reach in what, what, look what he's leaving us. So could you share with us as he was speaking and he stood up, what did he leave people with? Was there a, a one key takeaway that he continually talked about or were there a series of things? Man, ah, I mean, there's just so, there's just so many. Um, he definitely made you think bigger. He made you, he made you think bigger, mm-hmm. made you um, see, see the, um, you know, and, and again, in a very, you know, busy world, he really drew the importance of um, how, how detailed to be in your parenting. For example, you know, I remember uh, when I went up and, and visited him, you know, he, he split time between Arizona and North Dakota, and I went up to visit him in North Dakota, and I, I remember, um, you know, his son going out, you know, he had four kids, his son going out with the wheelbarrow or um, the wagon and going to offer uh, car washes around the neighborhood, right? So it's a mo- he had a mobile detailing wagon and so he taught his kids to be entrepreneurs and, and his feedback of his fee sheet, right? He goes, well, right here, you know, you're doing this ashtray and it's like, you know, you need to do this. Like, it was just so detailed. <laughs> Always so the teacher. Point. Always the teacher and, um, and just incredible. And, um, and so, yeah, he's, he's someone, there, there is no one that I've been in you know, personal touch with that's inspired me like, like he did. Well, here's and, and I want to give a shout out since we're talking about him, I want to give a shout out to his wife, Shannon, uh, who's absolutely amazing and carrying his torch. And, um, you know, it's just great. Well, you know, as I read the book and I started to read about Mark, I went back to the subtitle of your book, because what you're suggesting, Ray, is all of a sudden the words that you are choosing, what's possible, radical reshape, whether that was you or that was Mark, is that, in fact, that was my conclusion. That's the legacy Mark left with you. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you if you dig into, you know, his story, I mean, yeah. you know, from a trailer, right. being bed broke, you know, neighbors kicking in and bringing him groceries for Thanksgiving, you know, like, I mean, he, he definitely is the um, paradigm of radically reshaping your life. Yeah, in fact, as I did that, and it's like, oh my God, this isn't not that your situation was his, but you both came from in as in Victor Frankel and in the other stories that we relate, you all came from a place of inconceivable adversity. This is not the stuff we watch on television. These are the real stories about where you came in. In your case, how you were treated in such a way that was constantly giving you no voice, no agency. You cannot even think for yourself, and I don't want to hear that you're hungry. So Mark took that. 
So thank you for bringing Mark's story, because if nothing else, for, for, for all of our listeners who read this wonderful book, Time, Money, Freedom, you hear the personal story, not just the successes, but all of the obstacles along the way ultimately led to what I want to close with. In a world of idealism, where everybody wants to save the children and save the world, we love that. But what Mark was able, uh, what Mark's legacy that I think Ray is living and carrying that from Mark is to become a success. And in Ray's case, it was in network marketing. That capital is an enabler to help others. Ray, could you talk about your charities? There were a couple that you really support and then a couple circumstances from those charities that led you to inspire others to want to do something similar to what you're doing to the world. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we have, my wife and I, we've been on the, you know, we're on a couple different boards. Um, we're on the Southwest Florida Children's Charity Board, which is mainly for the Galasano Children's Hospital. Um, just last year we raised, helped we're you know, part of a group. Uh, the group helped raise money for an, an eye center for kids, which um, you know, our area did not, did not have that as an option. Um, we're on the board for the March of Dimes, um, which you know, are great. And uh, I think it was two years ago, maybe, we helped raise enough money to start a um, education series, <laughs> um, an education series that actually taught culture which is you know interesting, but March of Dimes works with the NICU and the PICU, right? And and so these are you know, um, you know babies and you know born prematurely or born in, a, in you know unfortunate circumstances, and a lot of times the nursing staff or the doctors don't have the greatest way to talk to the the parents, and and so a lot of times the stress of the the parents are already stressed out enough, right? They got the, the biggest you know, deal going on in their life, the most stressful thing ever in their life. They don't need additional stress because they're being delivered facts, right? Their bed, you know, the bedside manner, et cetera. So this program actually you know, teaches uh, culture and they, they ran that all throughout the state of Florida and they're looking to expand it you know, throughout the US. Um, one of, and then uh, this last year, our last event, we raised over 100,000 to fight uh, human trafficking. Um, I'll tell you one of the really meaningful ones, I mean, all of them are meaningful, but one you know that really touched our hearts was um, my friend, uh, Dr. Jamie Sterling is the, uh, the head uh, psychologist for, um, uh, to work with kids in foster care. And she came to us and said, you know, man, we'd really like to do something special with, you know, with these kids. Uh, is there any way you could, you know, help with, you know, we want to send a few of them off to, you know, to Disney and have them experience that, right? And, and so um, we, um, you know, we, we were able to, um, you know, give enough to send an entire bus of, of kids in foster care to Disney. None of them had ever been. Uh, it blew their mind. And what was really cool and, and a total surprise is she brought the bus to our house and we didn't know if she was coming and she brought the bus to our house. And uh, so we got to meet the kids and they're awesome. And two of them came inside the house and the one girl says, is this one house? You know, like, like, you know, had never been in a, in a nice house. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, with more money, you can do more good. And that is one of the core principles from, from the book. 
Um, we want, if you're a giver, if you're, you can only give so much time, right? You can only donate so much time. We got bills to pay. We got mouths to feed. We got, we got to do stuff. We can only donate so much time. Not that that's not meaningful. It is, but there is a limit. There is no limit to how much money you can give to support your favorite charity or to, um, you know, or, you know, or to raise, raise money. Right. You know, and so with more capital, you can do more good. Well, what I loved about that portion of the book, it was a personal narration where somebody began to see the possibilities that it's actually a good thing to succeed. And look at all the wonderful things that you can do, because if you were poor, your poverty would serve no one. And here we go. Well, thank you. In the time remaining that, that we have, this is a great opportunity to talk to our audience, to someone who may feel they don't have a voice may live in a trailer park and say, this is it. I'm stuck with it. I don't want to ask for anything more if I don't deserve it. So what, mm. what, what do, Ray, what can you leave our audience? What do you want them to think? What do you want them to feel? And what do you want them to do with a world of endless possibilities to radically reshape their life? Yes. I mean, I, I would say the biggest concept that I hope people get, whether, whether they you know get the book or not, is that you can have a great life despite a bad past and you can inspire people with the things that you overcame. You know, if, um, you know, if, if, you know, Mr. Frankel isn't in that, you know, uh, unfortunate situation, we don't, we don't know that story. We're not inspired. Not that we wish it upon anybody. Right. But, you know, there are, you know, none of us that went through trauma or abuse planned it that way or deserved it but we did survive it and we did overcome it. And, and so I hope that's, that's the big message. And you know, one story that I share in the final chapter is of Renee Adams. And Renee Adams was a participant in our reality show and she had never shared her story. She had never publicly spoke and she had never even done a video. And she shared her story of physical abuse, of sexual abuse and even trafficking. And, and so, you know, she had been trafficked and, you know, after giving her love and condolences and, and, you know, just empowering her, um, I shared with her that, Hey, you know, you could help some people out if you were willing to be vulnerable and share that story. One week later, she was speaking at abuse centers and three months ago, three or four months ago, she spoke at the 17th annual international conference against human trafficking for the university of Toledo in front of 19 countries. And so that's making an impact that will, who knows how many that that will impact. And so you have it within you, even if you've had it rough, you can make a great life and you can inspire others. Indeed. And what a wonderful way to end it. Well, first, I want to thank Climber for sponsoring our show, CLNDR, for anyone who is interested in a new form of fitness backed by Djokovic, Jay-Z, and Ryan Seacrest. Go to sket.climber.com, put in Chuck20 for a 20% discount. But Ray, more than anything else, I want to say thank you for, for all the wonderful work you do. Thank you for bringing this book into the universe. I encourage everyone, time, money, freedom. It was beautifully written. It was a personal narration. Ray really talked about how to embrace the fear of rejection. It comes in many forms and inspires people to be able to really let down that shield and sometimes bring that in because there are people that may believe in you more than you believe in yourself. So Ray, I am grateful for that. Thank you for coming on to the show. It has been a pleasure to collaborate with you. 
Hey, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for really diving into the book and, and really getting the principles. I really appreciate that. It was my pleasure. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. I'm Chuck Garcia. You can always find me on chuckgarcia.com. Drop a note. Love to hear from you. Thank you so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>